What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Canton Bound. Austin and Colin are both still off enjoying their downtime before the college football season hits. So it is Matt here with you guys for, oh man, I don't even know what episode this is. And while I'm looking up this episode, I'm, I'm actually kind of excited to, to do this. Uh, I will be doing this pod solo today, and, and we're going to see if we can make it 30, 45 minutes, if you guys even want to listen to me that long. But it brings me back to my roots a little bit. For those of you who don't know, I actually did a NFL podcast solo for an entire year with the Fantasy Football Roundtable. And boy, was it an interesting one. Uh, quick side story, because I know... Everybody, especially one Mike Valerie, just loves when you don't get right into football and loves to hear these personal stories. I'm going to share it. I used to, like, it was right after my my son was born, my oldest, and I would, no joke, fall asleep sometimes recording, and I would have to go in and edit me sleeping out of the podcast because she was not getting a lot of sleep as a new parent at a new job. Uh, but I really wanted to keep doing this. The audio was complete crap. Um, something I'm glad that we've improved on here. We make it a big thing here at Campus to Canton to make sure our audio and everything is good. I was using like a telemarketer, like headphone headset. It, it was great times. Don't go look those episodes up. They're really bad, I'm sure. Uh, but it was a lot of fun. So I'm excited to, to be doing this one solo today. Um, and it is, let me see here. Now it is pulled up. Episode 107. Episode 107 of Canton Bound. Last week, we got the farewell episode of Austin, yet he'll probably be back next week as uh, they start up their summer school series, which we all love, I'm sure. Uh, I know I do. Two episodes a week of great college football content. They usually go through and break all down the conferences. So this might be the last episode we get of some NFL news and and more of an NFL-type episode. Uh, And I'm thrilled to be the one giving it to you guys. So we're going to talk a little bit about the NFL news that has happened over the past couple days. I'm going to give you guys my opinion and my take on what it means to have the NFL side and the college side. Should you care? Should you Mix the two together. Should you care about your NFL side's possible weaknesses compared to the weaknesses or strengths of your college roster? Is it really? Sh- should you really just view it as a pipeline to your NFL team? And then I'm going to talk about some players that I think you should trade for to help your NFL team. When it comes to the NFL news front, there's really not a lot going on. We still have not found homes for DeAndre Hopkins and Dalvin Cook, though it does still seem like the leaders in the house are the New England Patriots for Hopkins and the Miami Dolphins for Dalvin Cook, which which could be intriguing, especially with where the Dolphins are heading. Uh, obviously, in my opinion, one of the better head coaches. I know it was only one year, but Mike McDaniels, I think, is, is an incredibly smart man and a really good coach, and they've obviously got a really good team built around them as well really just kind of comes down to what Tua's health is going to look like. What is also exciting is the fact that we are getting closer and closer to actual football. We're going to get some summer camp stuff coming around for the NFL guys, and then you've got them coming into training camp soon. I mean, we are, I believe, about a month and a half away from actual football. Now, we've got, obviously, college football games coming down the pipe, which I cannot wait. They kick off the final week of August. Uh, their game, or year one, I believe, is the way that they have it this year. Is it week one? Week zero, whatever. Whichever one it is. It kicks off that week. There are actually some pretty intriguing games, so I can't wait for that. But, obviously, the first game that we get of actual football is the Hall of Fame game, which is the New York Jets and the Cleveland Browns this year on August 3rd. So we are, from this point, four weeks away from real football hitting us right in the face. Now, granted, Hall of Fame game, you know, Cleveland Browns, I mean, I'm, I'm excited. Love me the Cleveland Browns, but Hall of Fame game's not always like that great of a game, but it's always great to get that first football game back. We'll be deep into fall camp reports at that point. So I'm I'm excited. And like I said, Austin and Colin will cover all that when they do all of their summer school stuff, which we should have had patent pending because we came up with that first before Bud Elliott, who does do an amazing job with us, by the way, started doing that for cover three. But they'll do that. They go over all the conferences, all the teams. I I personally love them. Like I said, they're some of my favorite episodes because they're always like almost two hours long and nothing better than listening to two very smart people talk college football. Absolutely love it. (laughs) 
But before we jump into all of the NFL stuff, I have to tell you guys, home field apparel. I know this is Kent Bound. This is the NFL side. But home field apparel has some of the best shirts ever, if I'm being honest. I am actually wearing the Fear of the Fork Arizona State shirt that I absolutely love. It is comfortable. It is very yellow, uh, which stands out like a sore thumb. So does my Columbus Crew shirt, so who am I to complain? I absolutely love it. It's extremely comfortable. It fits perfectly. It, it, it's just incredible design. Love the logo. If you have a favorite college team, go to Home Field Apparel. They have got a ton of those old school logos. They have new ones as well, but it's not just football. They have hockey. They have baseball ones on Ohio State, basketball ones. I, I believe they have those on, on some Penn State ones as well. It's all over the place, all kinds of sports, all kinds of logos. And they're incredible stuff. Get one for you. Your wife, your dad, your uncle, your brother, whoever, your best friend, doesn't matter. Just make sure that you use our promo code CAMPUS, the number two, Canton, to get 15% off your order. And hey, you've already done it and you want some more, just create another email. That's what I would do. All right, let's 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 talk some NFL now. But again, let's let's get back into the NFL news. I don't know why I just went and dove back down that, that, uh, that wormhole. Still really, like as I mentioned, not a lot of NFL news going on right now. I mean, Alexander Madison is looking to be the guy in Minnesota. Should be interesting. I mean, every time Dalvin Cook's gone down, everybody gets excited about him. But he doesn't ever really seem to do much. He's had a couple good games instead of Dalvin Cook. Maybe he takes that big step forward being the guy. We'll see if maybe Dwayne McBride's able to do something coming out of UAB. He'll be a rookie this year. You know, he's a guy that some people were excited about. I saw that he ranked fairly highly for some people in their film grades and and their rookie rankings. He's going to have a shot to back up Alexander Madison in in Minnesota because it doesn't look like they're bringing anybody in. We know Zeke's still out there. Leonard Fournette's still out there, uh, both as free agents. Maybe one of those comes in there, but it doesn't look like it right now. Tyler Scott, the wide receiver out of Cincinnati, the rookie who ended up on the Bears, who who seems to kind of be their, you know, downfield big play threat, has apparently loved working with DJ Moore. So we'll see how that works out for him. I, I love DJ Moore. I think he's a really, really good player. I don't know that I would say Tyler Scott's on that level. I don't know what he's a hundred percent of what he's learning from him, but still interesting story. Probably worthy of an early, I wouldn't say an early pick, a pickup in your dynasty drafts or in your in your campus to Canton drafts. I mean, he's likely available. I can't imagine anybody really rostered him on the campus side. And from all the ones, at least that I was in, the rookie pool was was pretty bleak. So he might be a player that'd be worth taking a st- shot on. Who knows? You know, may- maybe they'll use him the way they Ohio State used Chris Olave, and they can just kind of have Justin Fields chuck it deep to him. I mean, obviously, Fields has got to take a big step forward this year. He's one of the players that, I, you know, I love him. If any of you guys watch the shows, you see I've got the the jersey of him up behind me. He's he's always going to be one of my favorite favorite quarterbacks. I just love watching him play at Ohio State. But he does have to take a big, big step forward this year, and I do think that he will, and he's showing a little bit of progression every single year. But he's just not going to keep winning at the NFL level just running the ball. And we saw him, unfortunately, get really beat up at the end of last season. He's got to improve that passing. And I hope that they're able to take that step forward this year. And if they are, a guy like Tyler Scott's an interesting best ball target. He's he's not a guy that I'm putting on my team and expecting to start every single week. But I do think he could be an interesting player for best ball leagues, uh, which I'm in a couple of them now, even on just the dynasty side. I think he's a worthy late-round pickup. I mean, worst comes to worst, you just end up cutting him. But that's really all of the NFL news. Uh, there's really not a lot going on. It's, it's a pretty dead period. So I want to talk about some of the current free agents. And then we're going to look at the free agent class going into next year. No, actually, I'm going to save that. Apologies. Kind of going all over the place here. I said I wanted to talk about how I value NFL teams when it comes to the Campus to Canton format. Talked a lot on the last episode, if you guys listen to Campus Life, about kind of things we have learned from when we first started playing till now. And it, I've only been playing for this, I believe, is now going into my fourth offseason of, uh, of my longest-running campus to Canton League. So I, it's not like I have this massive wealth of knowledge. In fact, I don't even know how long the format's been around. I, I know Corey has said he'd been playing in about five, uh, one for five years, so maybe a year before that. I really hadn't heard much about it until the COVID year, which was three years ago. 
I think that we overrate, and I don't, I don't want. I'm using the royal we here, right? Royal we we. I, I don't think that everybody says this, but I do feel like a lot of times when you hear people talk about campus to Canton leagues, and and they use the your your Canton your campus side has to be like a feeder to your NFL team. And I've seen people who will draft. So a lot of times your campus side draft goes first, and then you go to your NFL draft. And I've seen a lot of people who will draft their campus side and say, okay, look at this pipeline of wide receivers and running backs I have. I have to make sure I hammer home quarterback. And I can not worry so much about wide receivers because my wide receiver core coming up is so good. Well, if you did that a couple years ago and you ended up with Spencer Rattler and DJU on your campus side and you were like, oh, baby. Here we go. I can punt quarterback on the NFL level. I don't need to take Patrick Mahomes at 1-1. Look at these studs I have coming up. You probably quit that league at this point, if we're being honest with ourselves. You know you did. I know you did. You know that I know. Don't worry about it is the way that I do it. And I know that that may sound a little sacrilegious to some I don't view it. I view it as a pipeline in the fact that I know that's where my rookies are going to be coming from, and that's where technically my depth of my NFL roster is going to be coming from. I personally, when I draft a campus side and then a Canton side, I don't look at the roster construction for my campus side at all. I am drafting my NFL side separately from whatever I did on the college side. I don't care. I don't care if I ended up with Kayla Williams, Drake May, Drew Alar, and the prince that was promised, Quinn Ewers, if I'm at the 1-1 or 1-2, I'm still taking Patrick Mahomes. I'm still taking Josh Allen. And I'm going to build my NFL team like I would for it to compete this year. I think it's a little bit overrated when people try to use the college side as a legitimate, this is my pipeline. I need to draft these as like it's one big roster. You don't know what's going to happen. And and while those two may be the extremes uh, to use as like this is the negative on DJU and Spencer Rattler, we're going to continue to see it. Julian Fleming, while we as a company were not that high on him, if you were drafting him and some other wide receivers, G. Scott Jr., I'm just using two Ohio State guys there, and like, oh, I'm set at wide receiver now. Well, neither one of those guys are going to be first-round picks. In fact, G. Scott's not even a wide receiver anymore. Running back, to me, is definitely not the position you want to build around. If you drafted Brees Hall and B. John Robinson to be your starters on the college side, and you're like, oh, I'm set. Once these guys come up in a couple years, my running back core is going to be great. And you're not necessarily wrong. B. John Robinson looks like he's going to be a stud at the NFL level, and Brees Hall was until he got injured. But now you may not even have Brees to start the season. It's just so hard for me to look at that as a full 90-man roster, which is typically what you're having to do. 40, I'm just saying 45 on both sides. I know the NFL side is not always 45-man deep. But if you just plan on this is the only way that I'm going to get these players coming up through the college pipeline, I just think you're setting yourself up to fail a little bit because you just don't know what's going to happen. And... You know, I'm not I'm not even necessarily talking about predicting it wrong. We we've got a lot of incredibly smart people in this space. You know, I I I really truly love and respect everybody here at Camps to Canton the amount of work that they put in. But everybody else in the space that puts in so so much work and, and incredible work and and I do think, you know, I've stated before on some of the other shows that I think as a not just a group in Camps to Canton, but as a group in this space in general, we've gotten much better at predicting success. But we're still going to be wrong, and I just don't think you should pin your hopes on a couple players on your college side because it may not even be that they're not good. They, these guys could be absolute studs, but you get the unlucky breaks of a bad injury or a horrible landing spot, and, and they just ruin a player because I do truly believe that more college players are ruined when they get to the NFL than actually developed. Like We've seen a lot of really great college players get to the NFL and just not work out. At all, and I think a lot of that comes down to the fact that that was the past. I don't think we've seen that as much recently, and some of that I do think is the fact that we've get, we're have we getting younger head coaches in on the NFL side that are willing to integrate college concepts into their offenses, which does help these players kind of learn a little bit quicker and develop faster. We, not, we did not see that in the past. I mean, again, I, I argue that 
If Marcus Mariota had been drafted now, I think he'd be a successful NFL quarterback. I remember watching him in that national championship game where I, I was lucky enough to be there in person. He was a special talent. He really was. And then he couldn't work out on the NFL level because they just didn't believe in using the quarterback's legs at all. They didn't really use a ton of RPOs. It was just a completely different landscape shift compared to what we have today. And I think if he was in the NFL today at the time that he came out, not now after he's been beaten to hell and all the injuries he suffered, I think he'd be a really good quarterback. So maybe we'll see that lesson a little bit in these busts or however you want to put it. I mean, this is not meant as a shot, but we've kind of gotten led down this road to where we are now. Look at what happened with Zach Wilson. He had all the talent in the world, and I don't know that this was necessarily coaching. This may have been Zach Wilson getting in Zach Wilson's way. But he was a number two pick, and regardless of what anybody thinks... Clearly, NFL teams valued him that highly to take him there. There were talks that he was going to be a high first-round pick regardless. So it wasn't just the Jets that made that mistake. There were others. We're going to always see that happen because you, you, you don't know the mental makeup of some of these players. We can think we know. We can watch as much film as we want. We can look at as many data points as we want. and We can put it all together. We can talk to whoever we want. But at the end of the day... It's up there. It's in their heads that really kind of helps decide what these players are going or not going to be. And that's just something we can't project. So for me, I don't base my NFL team at all on what I have coming up the college pipeline. If I end up with Justin Jefferson, Devontae Adams, I mean, I doubt you ever end up with Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase, but if you end up with like just a loaded wide receiver core, if somehow, you know, first round of the Superflex startup, for whatever reason, someone lets Jamar Chase fall to you, right? It, it, back toward the end of the draft. 9, 10, 11 spot because people go heavy quarterback. You get Jamar Chase and Kyle Pitts, or you get Jamar Chase and oh, man, I, I don't even know. I can't think of another wide receiver now. I'm, I'm, I'm stumped. Uh, Jamar Chase and uh, oh, Jalen Waddle. Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddle. CeeDee Lamb. Here we go. Now, you know, Jamar Chase, Garrett Hawk, Garrett Wilson. We were just talking about the Jets. How, how do I get about my guy? I got jersey behind me. Say you get Jamar Chase and Garrett Wilson, and you're like, okay, here we go. Starting off this wide receiver, incredible. This wide receiver core, incredible. And you get, you know, Kirk Cousins and Dak Prescott later, which is a fine quarterback room. It could win you some championships. If you win heavy wide receiver on the college side, you're just going to be extremely happy when Marvin Harrison Jr. or Mecca Egbuka, Xavier Worthy, Jontae Cook come up from your college side and then are added into that already studly wide receiver core on the NFL side. Because what I value on the NFL side is trading from a place of value. If you have all of those stud wide receivers, you're going to be able to make moves to help out whichever side you want, whether it's the NFL side or or the college side. And, and, you know, a trade that one of the founders and and one of the key hosts of the show for a very long time, Austin Nace made, I believe it was our first year in the program league, which we've talked about before on on various different outlets. And I don't remember the exact trade, so I'm I'm just going to give the key pieces. But he traded Caleb, or he traded Lamar Jackson, and he got Caleb Williams back. And he traded Lamar Jackson to Alfred Fernandez and one of the other co-founders here to help him on his NFL side. Because I believe at the time that that trade was made, Alfred was the number one seed. I'm pretty sure he was undefeated and like lost his quarterback. And while we, and I don't think Caleb had even maybe played but a couple games at that point. Like he had already taken over, I think, from Spencer Rattler. But we, we, sure weren't, we still weren't sure. For those of you who don't know, we as a company were a little bit down on Caleb Williams because of his like 55% completion percentage in high school. You just don't typically see the jumps that those guys make, and he did it. And bravo to him on the work that he did and Lincoln Riley putting in the work with him and, and getting him to where he got. But it was a dangerous trade to, trade to make for Austin's side. You don't ever trade away NFL guys to get unquestioned college guys. And it ended up working out for him. But it's because he was trading from a place of strength with his quarterbacks. And granted, he was punting from the NFL side. Now he looks like his NFL team is going to be good because of what has come up. But a lot of that has been because of smart moves and trades that he's made. And that, to me, 
is how you really build your NFL side through the college side is through trades. I would not treat them as one big 90-man roster. I treat them as two separate rosters, and then if you need to improve your NFL running back depth, quarterback depth, wide receiver depth, you need a tight end. You make those trades. You figure out how you want to do things, and I don't even make them early either. Unless I'm like down and out on the NFL side, but honestly, if I'm down and out on the NFL side, I'm just going to take my licks in year one and see where it goes, especially if I'm competing on the college side. But, and vice versa, if you're winning on the NFL side, but you're kind of struggling on the college side, but you have those high-end CFF studs that you can trade, make the trade. Put a couple of them together to get some NFL players if that's what you want to do. If you don't think you're going to really compete on the college side, there's nothing wrong with that. And it's always targeting those teams that are toward the top of the CFF side and they have a chance to win the college side, especially if your leagues are split 50-50 because everybody wants to win money and everybody wants to win that championship. That is typically what I try to do when it comes to building. Not that there is anything wrong with if you want to treat it like one 90-man roster. I'm just giving you one man's opinion. If you disagree with that, let me know in the Discord. Hit me up on Twitter. Let me know why you guys think it's better to build it as one 90-man roster. Because um, it is hard making trades. We're going to talk about some players that I would trade for for your NFL side here in, in just a couple minutes. It, it's definitely hard because everybody values NFL players and CFF players <laughs> vastly different it's very hard to find somebody when you walk up to him you're like hey i want this player what do you think about this player and they're like oh yeah it's a great deal handshake deal bro hug it out we're done you know already gold let's hug it out very rarely does that happen everybody wants to win trades and they don't want to look like a fool which i get is what it is but to me, that's the best way to build your teams is to try and draft the best possible team separately and then after that's done, after the season started going, kind of assess where you are and then make the moves that you need to do on either side if you want to. Nobody says you have to go out there and win year one on either side. Everybody wants to go out there and win both sides every year. Everybody after a draft thinks they're going to go in, ah, I, I got this, I'm the king of seas this year. I'm winning the collar side and the campus side, and the can side. And then about three weeks into the college season, you realize your college team is really not that good. And then you look at the NFL side and like, oh, hey, here we go. Here we go. I'm two and one, baby. And then four weeks later, you're out on the NFL side. Maybe you're lucky. Maybe you're not me and you're winning on one side or both. It's possible. But you have to make those determinations at that point. And so how I usually do that and kind of deciding where my teams are, where I think they could be heading. And if I want to bolster one side, try and push the chips all in on both one or the other, or even punt both sides. I typically treat the the college and the NFL season as like three to four week increments. I, I don't look at it as like, okay, well, if I end up at 0-3, I'm done. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Because we've seen people come back from that. I try to treat them as, for college side, because you really only get 12 weeks, you can do it for, I try to do it in three so you get a little bit more of a better look at the window. So if you do start at one three on the college side, I'd probably be looking to make the move. And on the NFL side, I do do it in four-week increments. Granted, they're about the same because obviously the NFL season now, I think they most leagues probably only go to week 13 before they hit that three-week playoff. So you are still only going 12 weeks. With the college side, it's usually nine weeks because you've got to go into your playoffs. So you go three-week increments, at least I do. I go three-week increments on the college side, four-week increments on the NFL side. And I just kind of look at where my team is at after three weeks on the college side, after four weeks on the NFL side, and say, okay, has it been bad luck? Did I lose players due to injuries? Or are my teams just not that good? And then what do I want to do? If you have a team that is thriving and you want to make that push all in to try and win that side, I don't think that's a bad call to make. If you want to hold a little bit longer, it's probably not a great call to hold because the longer you wait, the better chance you have of the market being set on you, and you may not want that market to be set. And what I mean by by, by the market being set is if you're sitting there and you've got, you know, your NFL side's competing and you're like, man, I really want to move some wide receivers or some good CFF assets on my college side to get me another running back piece on the NFL side. If you're not the first to make that move, if you're not the first to be like, okay, here's what I'm going to do, 
and the price is set by another team, it might be more than you're willing to pay, or it might be less. And a lot of times when a league sees that deal go down, that's what they're going to base future deals on, fair or unfair. To give you guys an example, what happened to me in a league last year, I was in a league where I had Justin Fields and I really don't remember who my second quarterback was, but it doesn't really... Oh, it was Aaron Rodgers. I had Justin Fields, Aaron Rodgers, and Desmond Ritter, my three quarterbacks. And there was a lot of people looking to move quarterbacks, and I was trying to look for... Before Justin Fields, I wish I would... I'm going to be honest, I wish I never made this trade, but at the time, there were still a lot of questions about what the Bears' offense were going to be. My team was in a spot where it's like it was competing. I had aging assets on the NFL side. I, I kind of knew I had two a two-year window, last year and this year, to really kind of push all in and win that championship. And someone came to me, and they said, Hey, I'll offer you Justin Herbert, and I believe, who was my wide receiver? It was Justin Herbert, Justin Herbert, Deontay Johnson, and a second for Justin Fields, Amon Ross St. Brown, and a first. Effort, actually, I think it was a first and a second. And I took it. I took the deal because I wanted Justin Herbert. I was like locked in, top three quarterback. Maybe he pushes for the number one spot overall, all thinking, you know, Mahomes going to take a step back. Maybe they're not going to rush Josh Allen as much. At the time, I was like, there's not that much of a separator between Deontay and Amon Ra. Come on. Now, Deontay's been a stud for two years, even dealing with some of the drops, and even with Big Ben moving on. Obviously, that deal did not necessarily work out in my favor. We'll see what happens this year. I do think Deontay can take a step forward, and I still love Justin Herbert. He's going to continue to be one of my favorite players of all time. I have a tattoo bet on Justin Herbert, either winning a Super Bowl or an MVP before Tua. It doesn't look great now, thanks to Mike McDaniels. I'm going to force me to get a tramp stamp dolphin tattoo, which I'm not thrilled about. But regardless, I, you know, at the time I felt like it was a great deal. And because of that, a lot of the trades we saw in that league be made after that were close to that value. Don't let the market get set on you. Sometimes it's better to make the move first than last, as Ricky Bobby would say. If you're not first, you're last. That was probably a horrible Ricky Bobby compared or, um um, whatever the word is. You guys know what I'm trying to say. It's not bad to hold if that's what you want to do, but my suggestion would be if you know you want to go all in on one side, just make the move. Don't overthink it. We are supposed to be doing this for fun. And while there is money involved, there's bragging rights, there's always some kind of trophy at the end of the day. You want to win. You want to have fun. You want those bragging rights. Have a little fun with it. This is ga- It's a game. It's not as serious as a lot of people try to make this out to be, and they get upset, and they get pissed off at people for whatever happens. It's supposed to be fun. Have fun with it. That's enough of that. Let's talk about some of the free agents that are still available on the NFL side. So the two main guys I kind of mentioned earlier in the show, DeAndre Hopkins and, and Dalvin Cook. Again, rumors are the New England Patriots for, Dal- uh, for Hopkins I'm sorry, and Miami for Dalvin Cook, but there still are some at least intriguing other players. Running back Ezekiel Elliott, who definitely did not look like the guy that first came into the league, 28 years old though, I think he's probably got a couple years left, but you're probably looking at more of like an RB3 for him moving forward. Kareem Hunt, who's a really intriguing one, was still really good for the Cleveland Browns when he was not injured, um, and obviously brings some of that pass-catching upside. Leonard Fournette, who kind of turned into left tackle Lenny toward the end of his career. Jarvis Landry, who's still only 30 years old. feels like he's been in the NFL forever, but was still fairly productive. Again, last year dealt with a lot of injuries. Kenny Galladay is probably the last real name worth talking about on this list, and, and even then I think that's questionable. I uh, definitely did not have the season a lot of people were hoping he was going to have with the New York Giants. Melvin Gordon is also interesting. Won himself a Super Bowl last year. If you guys didn't know, Super Bowl winner, Melvin Gordon. I don't know that he's coming back anytime soon either. I think I'd rather take the other three in Leonard Fournette, Ezekiel Elliott, and Kareem Hunt over him as he is, I believe, 30 years old. He is 30, so he's two years older than all those other guys. 
I don't think any of those guys are going to sign anytime soon. In fact, I bet we're going to get through or at least into pretty deep into training camps before we see any of those guys sign. All three of those guys, I think you could get fairly cheap on the camps to can side of things if if you really want to make a move for them. You're probably giving up, like, at best, 11th round supplemental picks. Maybe that's a too rich of a price for some of you to pay. I would probably do it even though you don't know the future coming right now for Zeke, Leonard Fournette, and Kareem Hunt. And I don't think you're going to get that for DeAndre Hopkins uh, or Dalvin Cook specifically because Dalvin Cook is still valued as, as a fairly decent— I, I would admit, I'd say his value is probably in RB2, at least where he's viewed in the community. Whether he can bring you back that, I don't know, but I do think that's where he's valued. I would not be afraid to give up a, a low-end supplemental draft pick or, or you know, a player— depending on who the player was, for those guys, because I do think that they have a chance to bring you back some value if you're competing on the NFL side of things. If you're not, there is no reason whatsoever to make a trade for Zeke Elliott, Kareem Hunt, or Leonard Fournette. All right, before we do the players to trade for on the NFL side, Players you should trade if your NFL team is not going to win this year. And what I look at are players who are about to be up on their free agent. You know, they're, they're going to be free agents next year. And why that matters, some of these guys might not sign on better teams or for more money. And you just don't know what their future is going to be. But they still have some value. Mike Evans. Say what you want about the dude. Nine straight years of 1,000 yards. Probably going to do it again this year, though a lot harder. It's going to be a lot harder for him with Kyle Trask or Baker Mayfield throwing in the ball. I don't really know what you could get for Mike Evans, but if you could trade him to a contending team, I would do it. If you Again, if you're not contending on your NFL side, all these trades I'm about to give you are players you should trade if you're not contending on the NFL side. Mike Evans is not going to bring you anything on the NFL side if you're not contending. Players that I think you could possibly get for him, if you're comp- if if you're competing on your college side, I don't think it's unreasonable to think could you get a Jaden Greathouse? Again, this has got to be a deal that lines up correctly as well, right? Like the team that you're likely trading with on the NFL side hopefully is not necessarily that great on the college side. Sure, Jaden Greathouse holds a lot of value right now being a freshman, but if you're competing on the NFL side and you think Mike Evans is going to push you over the top, are you not making that trade? I think you would. If you want to go further down into that, Torrey Horton, who only has one year left of CFF, you should be trading him on the college side of things. And if you could trade him or trade for him, because I think he's going to have an amazing year. We think Colorado State, he already had a great year last year, and we think that team could be even better this year. Make the trade. Torrey Horton, J. Michael Sturdivant, Malachi Coleman, another freshman going to Nebraska. Maybe you could get Hakeem Williams, Cordell Russell, Eugene Wilson. I I don't know on some, um, maybe on on Cordell. He seems to be going really high in supplemental drafts. Dorian Clark, DeClorian Clark, wide receiver at, at UTSA. Alex Adams, the Akron wide receiver. Like, those are the guys that I am targeting. You might be able to get a little bit of, of throw-in on there. Maybe you could shoot for a lower-end freshman. Or, you know, if you, you go to the, the running back side of things, maybe you want to get a two-for-one. Taj Brooks, who, who I don't think is being valued properly right now. Cole Cabana, Cameron Cook, two freshmen that I think could be really good. Maybe not this year, but next year. That may be kind of overlooked by some people. Uh, Ashad Shady Clayton. You know, could you get an Ashad Clayton and a Tory Horton for Mike Evans? I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. So Mike Evans, a player that I'm willing to trade on the NFL side. Wide receivers. He's really the only big name that's going to be hitting as a free agent. I mean, DJ Chark. But I don't know what you're going to be able to get for him. Unfortunately, dude just been hit with injury after injury and hasn't really done anything on the field. Where this list gets really interesting is when you dive into the quarterbacks. Two main ones, although the reports out today, which I did forget to mention, is that Minnesota wants to keep Kirk Cousins because Justin Jefferson wants to play with them. But Kirk Cousins and Ryan Tannehill are both free agents next year. Kirk, I could see getting another deal just because of how effective he's been, even though it hasn't been in primetime games. But Ryan Tannehill is a guy I think could end up being a backup. Again, if you're not competing on your NFL side, 
If there's a team that is and is looking either for a QB that they believe can be a QB2 that can help them win this year or just even looking to add QB depth, you need to be looking to move those guys right now. I honestly would probably hold Kirk Cousins. But if you were to move a Kirk Cousins, I think you could get at least one quarterback back that is in our top 12 in our C2C rankings. Now, are you getting a Caleb Williams or a Drake May? Probably not. Most people are likely not going to make that trade, though, again, if I'm on the NFL side, I might make that trade because while I think it's very, it's a high unlikelihood that Caleb Williams or Drake May don't pan out, like I, I think both of them are going to be very good players. And if I'm not competing on the NFL side, like I'm going to have those guys a lot longer than I'll uh, probably roster Kirk Cousins. But I don't know that, that anybody would actually make that trade. You could always ask. Never hurts to ask. Could you get a coin Ewers for a Kirk Cousins? I really don't know because I know where I value Quinn Ewers, but it doesn't seem like many others value him. I mean, we got people out here telling me that Devin Brown, Michael Pratt, Jordan Travis, Riley Leonard, Preston Stone are better than Quinn Ewers. If that's where Quinn Ewers is being valued, I don't know why someone wouldn't give him up for Kirk Cousins. And again, you could probably get add-ons thrown into that. Mentioned some of the other players earlier with the Malachi Coleman's of the world, Jeremy Bernard. I don't know that I do Malachi Corley, who's kind of ranked in that range for us as well, uh, just because he's likely only got one year left. But you could find a player that you want to throw in with the Quinn Ewers. My point is I think you could attack those top 12 in our quarterback rankings and get one of those guys. You know, you may not be able to get a Malachi Nelson or a Dante Moore. I think you would be able to because they're true freshmen. But, you know, depending on how people value getting three years of the college side and the NFL side. Regardless, Kirk Cousins, I think you could attack that kind of top-tier group to an NFL team that is looking to compete this year to get a quarterback back. Ryan Tannehill's a little bit different um, just because I don't think that he is viewed properly because I do think he's a good quarterback. And I'll just spoiler alert, because of Ryan Tannehill is why one player I'm going to tell you to trade for in a couple minutes here is Desmond Ritter. We'll get to that in a minute. Ryan Tannehill has been very productive. At least he was with Arthur Smith. Now, Arthur Smith's not there. Ryan Tannehill had a pretty bad year last year. But I think he could take a little bit of a step forward. So maybe you hold on to him. See if he has, you know, a couple good games before you move off of him. I don't know that you'll be able to attack that top tier, though, of quarterbacks. But I do think in the 17 range on down, you could probably make those moves. So players you're looking at, like a Devin Brown, guys I just mentioned, actually. A Devin Brown, a Michael Pratt, a Jordan Travis, you know, a Cam Ward, Michael Penix, Bo Nix, Joe Milton, Riley Leonard. It would be hard for me to make that move. Again, unless I'm competing on the college side and I really want to get a, a wide receiver, a quarterback one, in which case if I got Ryan Tannehill and I'm not competing on the NFL side, I would 100% move Tannehill for Michael Penix or Bo Nix. Um, I would definitely ask for a little bit more, maybe a, a third or fourth round supplemental pick. Probably start with the first and work your way down. Or if you want to add in a player, you know, I don't know that you could get a Bo Nix and a Troy Franklin for for. Ryan Tannehill, but I'd love to get the stack. I do love to stack quarterbacks with wide receivers, but I would aim for that. Like, could you get a Bo Nixon and Aiden Childs? I don't think that that would be that bad of a deal for Ryan Tannehill, especially if if you specifically, I don't, I don't think he's going to be the future at, at Tennessee, even though I don't think Malik Willis or Will Levis are those guys either, but I don't know that they'll bring Ryan Tannehill back, and I don't know that he'll end up on another team as a starter. So if you're looking to get out of him now because you don't see the long-term future of him as a starter – and you're not competing on your NFL side of things, go and bolster your your quarterback room on the college side if you can. Now, if you want to do a tear-down approach and get a NFL quarterback with lesser upside, I'm okay with that too. Personally, I think many people would tell you to go that route, and, and I'm fine with that. The main issue I think you're going to run into, at least with Ryan Tannehill if you try to do the tear-down approach, is you are looking at players like Geno Smith, Mac Jones, Kenny Pickett, although Kenny Pickett might be valued higher than Ryan Tannehill, Derek Carr, maybe even Desmond Ritter. Maybe. That wouldn't be such a bad move. If you can get Desmond Ritter, I'd probably do it. 
Those are probably the guys that you're having to tear down off of Ryan Tannehill if you're wanting to keep an NFL quarterback, but you're not going to get that much back on the college side of things. Now, Kirk Cousins, who is valued, typically is like a top, probably 15 quarterback. It's probably the same names, but you might be able to add a Russell Wilson and maybe even a Jared Goff in there, which I'd be fine tearing down from Kirk Cousins to Jared Goff. Again, you're probably not getting much else back. Maybe a little throw-in piece, but... If you're wanting to keep the NFL side, um, or at least an NFL quarterback on your roster, because you're, again, as we talked about earlier, afraid to try and, I should say afraid, but if you're worried about what the projection could be, if you're not going to be able to get a Caleb or a Drake made that we feel are are fairly certain going to pan out heading into the NFL, then you make the tear down on the NFL side, maybe even a Sam Howe, but I think, you, you know, if you're doing that, I'd probably just only do it for Ryan Tannehill, because you might be putting yourself right back in the same boat and not having a starting quarterback next year because Sam Howell might not be the future for Washington either. Now, the running back landscape is loaded with guys who are going to be free agents next year, have a shot to be. Derrick Henry, Joe Mixon, Josh Jacobs, Tony Pollard, Saquon Barkley, Austin Eckler, Cordell Patterson, Devin Singletary, DeAndre Swift, I mean, Jonathan Taylor. I mean, I, I think Indy's going to re-sign him, but we really just don't know. Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins, it's loaded with running backs. If you're looking to trade one, if you have one of those guys that I named and you're, again, not competing on the NFL side and you don't want to wait to see if they get a second contract, which we've seen the NFL. I mean, Damian Harris, who, again, maybe this is a bad comp to make, who's also going to be a free agent, has been productive at the NFL level. When he's healthy, he was fairly good for the New England Patriots, and the most money he could get was a one-year million-dollar contract. While I agree, because I know what you're saying to yourself in your head right now, well, Jonathan Taylor, J.K. Dobbins, Derek Henry, Saquon Barkley, are all better than Damian Harris. Yeah, you're not wrong, but teams are just not paying in it, paying running backs anymore. They're just not. And it doesn't matter that we think Jonathan Taylor and Saquon Barkley are incredible running back prospects and some of the best we've seen in in a long time. I shouldn't say forever. In a long time. They're not getting paid, guys. They're not. And so if you expect them to go into a team and become the guy, we're not seeing that NFL landscape anymore. Now, again, I'm not telling you to just go out there and trade Jonathan Taylor for, oh, I don't know, who's a – College running back that we don't even know is going to be there. I'm not telling you to go out there and train him. Okay, give me Marshawn Lloyd and Trevor Etienne. No, 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 no. But if someone offered you Nicholas Singleton straight up for Jonathan Taylor, are you telling me you wouldn't take that? If I'm competing on my college side, I might probably ask for something else to be thrown in if I'm Jonathan Taylor's owner or coach, manager, whatever, right? But. Running backs is the hardest one to trade, I think, just because of where the NFL has devalued these guys. I just don't know who or how you want to make those moves, but be cognizant of the fact that those guys are all going to be free agents next year. Now, again, that could quickly change with Jonathan Taylor and Saquon Barkley. You know, they could re-sign. We'll see what Josh Jacobs, he's already talking about holding out of camp. Maybe Philly brings back Swift on a cheap deal if he has a good year. Obviously, that could change quickly for any of those guys. But the only two that I see it really happening for are Jonathan Taylor and Saquon Barkley. And Austin Eckler, as he's mentioned, he wants to get paid what he's worth for what he's done. Teams don't look at you that way. We appreciate what you've done, but we're looking at your future, and we don't think you're going to keep doing that. Austin Eckler is 28 years old. Saquon Barkley, 27. Tony Pollard, 26. Josh Jacobs, 26. Joe Mixon will be 28 at the time of his free agency. I mean, the cheapest, the cheapest, the youngest guy out of all these is DeAndre Swift, and DeAndre Swift and Jonathan Taylor are both 25 years old. Cam Akers, 24. But I don't know that those guys will get really good deals. A.J. Dillon, another interesting one, could be a free agent. So a lot of guys that people will value highly on the NFL side. All those guys could possibly be free agents. Again, if you're on the NFL side and you are not going to be competing, those would be guys that I'm willing to trade right now to try and rebuild my RB room on the fly. Specifically, a J.K. Dobbins, Jonathan Taylor, Saquon Barkley, because those guys could, honestly, be really good this year in the NFL, and then not get a good contract or not come in and be the guy. Austin Eckler. Tony Pollard has a ton of value right now. People think he's going to be the guy in Dallas. If you can, 
Again, if your NFL team is not good, and I know I keep repeating myself, I just want to make sure that I'm clarifying. If your NFL team is not good and you're not competing and those are the guys in your RB room and you want to rebuild, if you're like, I want some younger guys in this room moving forward, and even if it'd be even better if you're competing on your college side, but even if you're not, even if you just want to try and rebuild your room, I know that it's taboo to trade NFL guys, proven NFL guys for college guys who haven't been proven yet. But those guys, with the way the RP landscape has been, are the guys that I'd be willing to make a move to get some college players. All right. Almost 45 minutes. I've told you guys here long enough. Let's talk about a couple of players to trade for that I think are sneaky buys. And I think you can get fairly cheap that I think could help out your NFL team this year. My number one player to trade for is one Desmond Ritter. I get it. You may be saying to yourself, well, here we go, Matt. It's a guy that you liked and you've talked about, and you know why should we believe you? All fair points. I don't disagree with you. You can stop yelling at me. But let me just give you the facts presented to, to, to me that I've looked at, and, and you guys make your own decision here. In 2018, Ryan Tannehill was still with the Miami Dolphins. This is how he finished out his season with the Miami Dolphins. 17 points, 15 points, 23 points, 4 10, 7. 2019, he makes the move over, comes over to Tennessee. Everybody, I'm sure, remembers. Oh, yeah, Marcus Mariota is going to be the starter, right? After f- week five, Ryan Tannehill comes in to the Arthur Smith offense, mind you. And in his first game, he only played, he only scores 5.4 points. But then after that, 20.2, 19.4, 25, 18.9, bye week. 32 points, 13 points, 28 points, 25 points, 23 points, 17 points. He was averaging 19.2 points in the back half of in the entire season, right? That was with no, four weeks, four weeks of not even playing, and he averages that. And here's the thing. You look at that and you say, oh, well, yeah, I mean, Ryan Tannehill, dual-threat quarterback, right? He, he has a ton of rushing yards and everything. No, that's where you'd be wrong. 40, 5, 19, 10, 8, and 20. And in all of those weeks, he scored a whopping, get ready for it, folks, this is, this is going to knock you on your feet, or knock you off your feet, two rushing touchdowns. Two. He wasn't rushing. It was all passing. He was completing at a 77%, 73, 77, 61, 63, 65, for 259 yards, 182 and 2. 391 and 3, 279 and 2, 272 and 3, 198 and 2. Arthur Smith is not afraid to pass the ball with, I think, what is is not unfair to say, an okay quarterback when it comes to, to passing. Ryan Tannehill was not this completion machine before Arthur Smith showed up. What he was in Miami, well, granted, he did have one good year in Miami. I believe he actually took him to the playoffs before he ended up getting injured. So I'm not trying to say Ryan Tannehill's a bad quarterback. But then, so he finished that year again, remind you, mind you, didn't play for practically five. He didn't play for five weeks, and then really in week six he barely played. He came in with Mariota, got hurt, or got benched. I don't quite remember, and only scored five points. Finished his QB 21. So then you go to his first full year in that offense in 2020, and Ryan Tannehill finishes his QB7 on the season, where the lowest scoring total that he had all season was 12 points. I'm going to run through it really quick because I don't think people— I'm sorry, it was 10 points. I, I don't think people realize how impressive this season was. 19 points, 26.8, 12.7, 30, 29.6, 17.3, 18.3, 14.6, 10.8, 22.9, 19.1, 28.6, 27.3, 27.4, 27.5, 27.6, 16, 5, 37, 18, 3, and 28.4. He was averaging 21.9 points a game. He was roughly, my math is, is not great. I, I am horrible at math. That's why I never got to become a marine biologist like I wanted to. But that's besides the point. He averaged three points less than Josh Allen a game that season, who ended up finishing his QB1. Arthur Smith is a much better offensive-minded coach than we give him credit for. I think we saw a little bit of that last year. I think that's why he brought in Marcus Mariota. They drafted Desmond Ritter because he gives you a lot of the same tool sets, in my opinion, that Ryan Tannehill does. 
What makes it even more interesting is Atlanta has improved their offensive line, and they have now just given him a generational, or if you don't want to go generational, very good running back in B. John Robinson to help him. He's got two, and two the, the twin towers out there catching the ball. Felix Sharp says all the time why he loved the landing spot for Anthony Richardson. How do you help an inaccurate quarterback? Well, you give him these dudes with massive wingspans and incredible catch radiuses for whenever he's inaccurate. And in Michael Pittman, Jelani Woods, uh, Mo Alley Cox. Desmond Ritter has Drake London and Kyle Pitts, folks. Kyle Pitts, who's arguably outside of Darnell Washington because of what he was able to do in the, this year with his RAS score, one of the most athletically gifted and talented tight ends we've ever seen. And you can say what you want about how he hasn't worked out in the NFL. He had a phenomenal rookie season. Last year was bad. I'll give you that. Drake London, who I think is a phenomenal wide receiver, I had rated very highly coming out of college. I thought he was really good. We had debates about how good he was going to be. Not a first-round pick, according to some, at Campus to Canton in our ranking summit, but one person said he was going to be. Well, that person was really damn correct. Both those guys are really good at what they do, and I think they're going to help a Desmond Ritter who, yes, can be inaccurate at times. Does he struggle throwing the ball down the field? Yeah, he tries to place it 30, 40 yards down the field. Guess where Drake London and Kyle Pitts likely aren't going most of the time? 30, 40 yards down the field, folks. I've said it. A lot of people think I'm saying it in jest, and this may be one that I'll be 100% wrong on. I really do think Desmond Ritter has the ceiling. I don't even should say ceiling, but I think he has a shot to finish as a top 15 quarterback this year, and he's not being valued there. Most places have him valued as closer to, like, QB 25 Somewhere in that range. He is not being valued as a top quarterback at all for fantasy purposes. But clearly Arthur Smith and that coaching staff believe in him to some point in the fact that they did not draft a quarterback. They went B. John Robinson. They had a chance to take a quarterback there if they wanted. They had a chance to trade up and get a quarterback. They chose not to. Most drafts, Desmond Ritter's coming off the board behind Jimmy Garoppolo, Will Levis, Sam Howell, Jordan Love, around the same time as Brock Purdy. That's ridiculous value, folks. I don't know what you'd be able to trade to get a Desmond Ritter. But I guarantee it's not much. You're probably not trading one of the top guys in our, our quarterback rankings. You're not trading Connor Wigman, Kate Klubnick, Kyle McCord. You're having to trade lesser pieces than that. You could probably trade a Ryan Tannehill for Desmond Ritter straight up. Now, yes, you could be doing putting yourself, as I mentioned earlier, back in the same situation because if Desmond Ritter doesn't do it this year, chances are he's not the starting quarterback next year. But I think we talk all the time on the college side of things, how much we believe in coaches, what these staffs do, their game plans, what they've been able to show you as an offensive coordinator, play caller, whatever. People ignore that on the NFL side, and I think that's a mistake. Sure, small sample size. Talking practically two years of Ryan Tannehill with Arthur Smith. But, really quick, two years of of Ryan Tannehill with Arthur Smith, right? Now, I know what I'm about to read you is not quite what Ryan Tannehill did toward the end with Arthur Smith. But coming in off a bye week, first reps... It's a rookie quarterback, 7.7, 9.5, 5.7, 15.9. It's not great. It's not great, Bob. But again, if you look at his offense, the pieces around him, the improving offensive line, Kyle Pitts, Drake London, Bijan Robinson, Tyler Algier, Cordell Patterson. This is an offense that I think can be really good, and this is not even incorporating his legs in it all. Not incorporating those in, which I think they will use. But I don't think they'll use them a ton anyways. He completed 63% of his passes last year, averaging 6.2 yards in attempt. It's not great. And I think because of that, people are valuing him a lot lower than they should. Maybe shooting for QB 15 is too high. I think it's a realistic outcome. You can trade for Desmond Ritter on the cheap. He's a player that I'm going after. This offseason, the other one, 
I've been this dude's biggest detractor probably his entire college career. But I think you should make the move for Stetson Bennett the fourth. I know. I was waiting for you to finish yelling at me. I get it. It's Stetson Bennett. But look, Matt Stafford is the walking wounded right now. Still having back issues, arm issues. I don't know that he's going to make it through an entire season. Say what you want about one Stetson Bennett. Why was he so good in that Georgia offense? Well, Todd Munkin played to his strengths. When he started getting a little too crazy, when he started thinking, I'm Kayla Williams, I'm going to throw it here and throw it there. Todd Munkin was like, ah, hold up, buddy. No, you're not. You're Stetson Bennett. You're not quite that good. Let's do this little easy pass right here. Let's do this little pass. And let's run you up the middle for 40 yards because you got this speed. I like Todd Munkin. I think he's a really good offensive play caller. You know who's better? My brother from another mother, Sean McVay. Sean McVay made John Wolford a worthy starting quarterback for multiple weeks as a backup quarterback for the Los Angeles Rams. Baker Mayfield. God, I loved you, Baker. What happened to you, man? Baker Mayfield had one good game with the Los Angeles Rams because of Sean McVay. Stetson Bennett is going to play this year at some point. He's going to be good, guys. You can get him, I would imagine, for peanuts. And I literally mean peanuts. Like, I, I don't even know if you have to offer a player and you could get Stetson Bennett. Now, if someone's listening to this podcast and they're like, oh, I kind of like Madden, sometimes he makes good points, maybe now he can't. Nobody's valuing Stetson Bennett that highly. The Rams literally have nobody else in that room. If Stafford goes down, if you want to play the value game, the minute Stetson Bennett steps on the field and is a starting quarterback, his value shoots through the roof. If then, after that fact, Stetson Bennett goes out on said football field and plays really well because he has a smart offensive coordinator, a, well, let's be honest, a crappy offensive line, some running backs, what? A good, arguably good tight end in Tyler Higby. They also brought over Hunter Long, though that dream may be dead. They have arguably one of the best wide receivers in the NFL currently, Cooper Cup. They'll find ways to get those guys the ball. And if they do, Stetson Bennett's going to matter in fantasy, folks. He's just going to. And if you trade for him now, you're going to have a starting quarterback on your NFL roster. And I should have clarified when I made these previous statements. I'm only doing this if I'm competing on the NFL side and I'm looking for a cheap second or third option at quarterback. And I do think both are fairly cheap. Ritter's probably going to cost you more than Stetson Bennett is. Realistically. I mean, let's... Do you want Dylan Gabriel? Or do you want Stetson Bennett? If you're on the competing on the college side, you probably want Dylan Gabriel. Do you want Carson Beck? Or Stetson Bennett? With the way Felix has been pumping up Carson Beck, you might be taking Carson Beck. Jaden Daniels. Darren Granger. Tyler Shuck. Kenny Minchie. Garrett Nussmeyer. Donovan Smith, Jaden Rashada, Jalen Milrow. All players I think you could easily do a straight-up trade for Stetson Bennett because that's how bad his value is, or his perceived value is, because he is perceived right now as a starting quarterback. But you got to make these bets. you got to take these chances early because if you try to trade for Stetson Bennett after Matthew Stafford gets hurt and after Stetson Bennett gets on the field, you're going to pay a premium. You got to make those trades now before it happens. And with Stafford's history, I don't see how you don't think Stetson Bennett's not getting on the field this year. He's probably, as much as it pains me to say this, he's probably going to be pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. Probably going to be pretty good. A couple more players that I think you should trade for uh, really quick. I'm just going to give you a couple more. At the running back position, Brian Robinson, I think, is an intriguing guy that I might go after. You know, Washington backup running back. Seems like they're falling back in love with Antonio Gibson. 
Uh, Brian Robinson had a very good season last year, surprisingly. Now, some of that was obviously because of, of the fact that Antonio Gibson was hurt. But Brian, Brian Robinson had some very good games. And again, I think he's a, a, a cheap option that is someone you can attack and get, as I mentioned, fairly cheap. While these stats are likely not going to blow you away, but the last few games of the season, 14 points, 5 points, 18 points, 11 points, 10 points, 5 points, 8 points. It's not bad for a running back that you can probably get fairly cheap. That can be a bi-week villain or a starter if you have some injuries to the running back position. Again, all these moves, if you're an NFL team competing to make some depth moves, is how I would attack these. Cream Hunt, we already talked about earlier. Khalil Herbert's probably a hard guy to trade for right now as he is perceived to be the starter in Chicago. Tyler Algier's another one. Look, I get it. Like, I got B. John Robinson. Tyler Algier rushed for over 1,000 yards last year. I don't know that Bijan Robinson's going to get 70% of the workload. The NFL is just moving to these dual backfields. Might be a little bit more of a, of a stretch bet to make on Tyler Algier than a Brian Robinson. Wide receiver, really only a couple here, too, that I'd be willing to make those moves on that I think, again, I'm, I'm t- basing this on getting cheap that I think will shoot past their value. Start with Brandon Cooks. He gets traded. He goes over to Dallas last year with a very poor Texans offense. He finished his wide receiver 46. But he has been, obviously, one of the, I don't want to say stalwarts, but a player who's been very productive for a very long time. Going all the way back to 2015, 1,100 yards, 1,100 yards, 2016, 1,000 yards in 2017, 1,200 yards in 2018. 500 yards in 2019 when he got hurt, only missed three games, but still. 2020 was first year with Houston, 1,100 yards. 2021, 1,000 yards in the second year. And then last year with Davis Mills, 700 yards. Michael Gallup ain't it, folks. CeeDee Lamb can't do it all himself. And Dalton Schultz is no longer with the Dallas Cowboys. They're going to be relying on Jake Ferguson, Peyton Hendershot, and one Luke Schoonmaker. Give me Brandon Cooks all day, every day, as the kids say. I think Brandon Cooks is in for a monster year with this Dallas Cowboys offense. To me, as much as I hate admitting this living down here and having to hear them talk Dallas Cowboys all the effing time, Dallas is one of the best teams in the NFC. And if the Eagles weren't in the NFC East, they'd probably be the easy favorites to win the NFC East. Great defense. The offensive line is kind of bounced back. We'll see what the running game is going to be like. Tony Pollard can't carry the load, which I don't think that he will. They might rely on Dak to pass the ball a lot more than they have in the past. Enter Brandon Cooks. He's cheap. I think he's going to outshoot that wide receiver 48 value by a whole damn lot. I would not be surprised if he's not a high-end wide receiver 3. Heaven forbid a back-end wide receiver 2. He's a guy that I would easily make a trade for right now, today, that I think you could get for some cheap CFF pieces, and he's going to shoot past that value. The other one, and this one, might be a little bit of a stretch. I'll give you that. Tim Patrick. That's right, you heard me. Tim Patrick, Denver Broncos wide receiver. Did you know the last time that Tim Patrick was healthy on the field, In 2021, he finished. It's wide receiver 40 in PPR formats. Did you know that was the highest scoring Denver wide receiver on the year? Now I get it. Different offense. Sean Payton has come in. We believe in Jerry Judy. We believe in Cortland Sutton. We think Marvin Mims is going to be it because Sean Payton took him in the second round. Tim Patrick brings them something that none of those guys do. And that is a 6'4", 212-pound frame. An extremely talented wide receiver. I get it. Coming back from an ACL. New coaching staff. Everybody thinks Cortland Sutton is going to be in the Michael Thomas role or Jerry Judy. Yet, when all three of those guys have been on the field over the past couple years, Tim Patrick was the most productive with bad quarterback play. Tim Patrick 
was the better wide receiver with bad quarterback play. We're hoping quarterback play is going to be better now with Russell Wilson there, Sean Payton, that he bounces back. We saw in the last game of the season how great Russell Wilson looked when they were able to get, forget what his name is, doesn't matter, but who was the Broncos head coach at the time. It was a very bad play caller. I think that Tim Patrick is likely going to be very, very good for fantasy for this Denver Broncos offense. And again, he is not (laughs) being valued at all. For ADP, he's coming off the board as the 249th player and the 88th wide receiver. I would bet you some C2C teams have thought about cutting him. Tim Patrick is the smash of smash buys, in my opinion. I like Jerry Judy. He's a very good wide receiver. Maybe he does finally kind of show us what he was supposed to be in a competent offense with hopefully a good quarterback. He hasn't been able to put it all together. He just hasn't. Cortland Sutton has struggled since the knee injuries. And granted, I know Tim Patrick's coming back from a knee injury as well. It is a little bit of a shot in the dark. But I would not be surprised if Tim Patrick is not the best, or at worst, the second best wide receiver for fantasy on this team this year. And you can get him for practically nothing. Go out, get yourself some Tim Patrick, and be happy with the the ROI, as the kids say, I think. Guys, thank you so much for putting up with me for the past two episodes on Campus Life in Canton Bound. Austin and Colin will be back on Monday. I know, I know. I see the DMs too. I have access to the Twitter account. I've seen the emails. I know. You can't wait to have them back. Neither can I. They'll be back on Monday. I don't know if they're starting their summer school series yet, but it will be soon. So we'll be getting two episodes of college football. I think Colin and myself will be back at some point in time to do Canton Bound in the near future. Until then, you guys, have yourselves a great weekend, a great Friday. If you're listening to this on Friday, if you're not, whatever day it is, have yourself a great day. Austin and Colin will be back on Monday. This is Matty B signing off one more time. Thank you guys so much for all of your support. Have yourselves a great day.